Well, we shifted gears last week, uh, as I'm sure all of us did in our lives. We did as a church and began to address this calm in the chaos, this kind of frenetic energy that we're all living with in the chaos of what's going on. I found myself in this way, even this week, even after talking about it last Sunday and I think getting some bearings, we came back in on Monday as a team and began to ask lots of questions about how we serve and help you, how we transition to doing things in a virtual environment, how we begin to care for needs, both already seen and ones that are coming, a wave of needs, how we recalibrate for what this might mean even over the next weeks and months as we don't know. And I found myself with frenetic energy that despite encouraging everyone else to slow down, I was just running. And I have no, no question that I'm sure many of us, even in coming home and not being able to be out, we find other ways to be frenetic. I'm betting that we could over-engage in things online, over-engage in the uses of our phone, over-engage in things from quick virtual messaging like TikTok to all sorts of other kinds of things from Facebook to Instagram. And we keep finding out what's not even in in vogue anymore. You know, it just changes every minute. But we're finding ways to keep busy or how many of us just watch the news moment after moment. Do you know, last night we were were sitting around and um, we just began to talk about how much of the news is related to this. And I just looked through a, 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 basically a, one of the, the news source feeds and almost everything on there was about the virus. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is just tiring and overwhelming. And then I think if we try to slow down, it can be like hitting a wall. And so today my hope is to help you in your homes, specifically in your personal lives and in your homes. We said it this way last week that this is a Kairos moment, meaning it's something unique. It's not ordinary time, it's special time. That's what that word means, kairos. It's used in the scriptures to even describe when Jesus came. He came at just the right time, kairos. And what we're saying is we think God wants to do something. We're not saying God created or caused all that's going on, but God's gonna move in the midst of it. And we said it to you last week, and I wanna say it again today to begin our time. I think the pulling back from our over-busied, over-burdened, over-activated culture offers us a window into new opportunity. And so that's where I want to go today is into this new opportunity. And we're actually going to begin today going back to the book of Leviticus, which is the bunch of the laws that Israel was given. We often refer to them in a negative sense, but I want you to hear these, this passage. We're going to jump off from here into something very specific for the home and for life. And we think it has application today, not simply in the Old Testament. This is one of the many kind of guidelines that was given through Moses from God. It says, observe my Sabbaths and have reverence for my sanctuary, the reason I am the Lord. Now, I'm not going to get into Sabbaths today, but I will tell you this week we'll be generating a webinar to look at how you might Sabbath, because you might say we're home all the time. That is not the same as Sabbathing. And we think there's a gift to be had in that. So I want to encourage you, we'll get back to how that will happen. But it's the second part I want to simply speak to today. He refers to his sanctuary. You see, Israel built a temple, a place for God's presence to dwell. And it was all together, when they traveled, they took it with them. When they ended up in Jerusalem, Solomon built this grand temple. And then around 500, a little before 600 BC, Nebuchadnezzar destroyed it. And Israel was placed in exile. And suddenly, they were in a mess 
because they had no place to go to discover God's presence. The purpose of the temple was to be a place where God's presence was dwelling. And so what happened was the the leaders began to struggle with what does this mean? How are we to live with no temple, no place to encounter the very presence of God? And they began to rethink, they began to look at the very scriptures they'd studied all their lives and they came to this really new, beautiful understanding called the Mikdash Miat. Where you are in your homes, I want you to say that. Mikdash Miat. Say it again. Mikdash Miat. Just one more time. Mikdash Miat. And the, the beautiful thing of this is it literally means Mikdash is the very word for sanctuary that we looked at in Leviticus. It's a place simply that is holy by its area. In fact, the verse I showed you, it's a beautiful picture of two things God does. Sabbath shows holiness in time, which means God's made certain times more holy than others. And that actually is the first thing God ever made holy, meaning it's sacred, it's beautiful, it's at peace, it's separated. And then he made a temple, a place for his holiness to dwell. Well, what they understood was there is a place to have this. The Jew didn't think, you know what, my home is my castle. They said, my home is our temple. That in essence, what God has done for us and what he's going to do in us is make this beautiful place for us to live and be sacredly with him. That when we've lost this place, we can all be together and the home will become the centerpiece of this. And they specifically looked at the home and the table. The idea of the family table became sacred to them. It was very unique in terms of how they were to engage and live. It didn't simply mean times of eating, but it meant thinking about what happens at the table, that the family coming together would be like what happens in the temple. Jesus gives picture of this even through his recitation, really the reciting of the Old Testament, when he says this in answer to temptation the devil gives, about eating when he's hungry. He says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, the picture was to be in your homes that at the table, and not, again, not, it's a metaphor. I don't want you to think this only happens at dinner time, then we go live whatever. It's the idea that when we come together in the home, it's not just a place we sustain ourselves, it's a place we discover God's presence and live in a place that is other. Now, now let me stop just for a minute and ask you this. Would you not say in this world of chaos and crisis, you and I need a haven? Would we not all agree in the midst of everything going on, everywhere it's happening, we need a place that we go, this is a sacred place for us to experience the presence and the peace of our God. And what I wanna remind you of is that we're inviting all sorts of things continually into our lives and our homes that can dissipate that. In fact, think of it this way. Maybe ask the question, in my home, what's the atmosphere like? What is the atmosphere in each of our homes? What's the the frenetic energy? What's the busyness? I'll illustrate it this way. When our our kids were little, this came back to me this week. Uh, We would have times where we'd just be exhausted and overwhelmed as parents. And... uh, and we didn't, uh, we didn't have the luxury of all that we have today, but we still had videos and VHSs. And we watched, if, I noticed that if we watched a movie, one movie could be kind of a nice time to connect. 
But when it became a way of life to find things, to keep our kids engaged and busy, it brought a different kind of busy and tiring energy to our homes. And the weird part was, as tired as we were, the more we learned to slow down and make home a sacred space, the better it got. That there was a fine line between having fun activity and becoming frenetically crazy and escaping and finding everything we could not to really deal or find peace together. I'm saying that because I think that can be true for us even more today. And I think there's something for us about beginning to see our homes as a mikdash miat, as a small temple. Make no mistake, we understand as followers of Jesus that when Jesus rose from the dead, when he ascended into heaven, and those days later on Pentecost, on the Feast of Shavuot, when, when the Spirit began to reside in believers, we know God changed his address and he lives in all of us. But the reason that doesn't make something like this important is we dismiss God's presence in our life and the power of it collectively that could be present in our homes. And so my intention today is simply to give you some help, some handles to perhaps experience your home in a different way, to experience some different things that you could literally go, wow, what if our home was a mikdash miat? What if it was a temple? What if the table we saw as an image of how God's presence resides among us? And so what we're gonna do is simply look at three major functions of the temple that can be functions in the home and ask how might we engage in these in our own lives rather than look to them outside or in our kind of blase look at being Christians, we say God's always with me, but we never pursue him or seek him. And it's a nice idea, but if not lived out, I wonder if we don't just kind of put like spiritual earwax in and don't hear or experience what he has for us. And I'll say it again, I believe this is a Kairos moment, that things could change in the lives of every one of us powerfully, no matter what the outcome or the circumstance. So with this in mind, there are kind of three aspects of the beauty of this mikdash miyat, this small temple at home. The first is that it's considered to be a house of prayer, that it's a place that the worship of God transpires. And I'll come back to more meaning in this, but I wanna start with this simple idea. The role of singing in the temple was, was the atmosphere creator. The Levitical priesthood would be around in the temple singing continually to the Lord and for the Lord. And that, that singing created a different atmosphere in the temple. And it's a foundational piece, I believe, to creating a house of prayer. I'll give you a picture of it for me this last week. I found myself watching too much of the news and then considering all the things. I was constantly thinking about what are we gonna do next? What are we gonna do to engage people? How are we gonna help them? It was just overloading and overwhelming. And uh, it came back to me, the thought that when I just let worship kind of enter the atmosphere of my home, something changes. And I don't mean a nice thing like, well, we listen to Christian music all the time, not that secular stuff. I'm not talking about things like that where we kind of, we've become inoculated to Christianity. I'm talking about letting the atmosphere change. And so what I wanna do this morning with this in mind, I'm gonna ask Sadie and Carter to come. And it could be in your home like it's, you're listening to something or watching a YouTube of someone sing or if someone has that gift, you can sing together. But I simply wanna let her sing over you in your home. I'm not asking you to sing or do a single thing. But I want you to just be aware of how does the atmosphere change 
for all of us when we simply let singing create the tone in our homes of worship.
Lord, I'm asking that you would minister in every home. God, that the atmosphere would even be changing now. That they would sense the power of you, the wonder of you, the forgiveness of you. God, and somehow the circumstances around us would just dissipate. Lord, may you increase, may our vision of you increase, and may our way of seeing life decrease, that we would not be shaken by so much that is temporal and so much that is just so temporary even. Things that we've anchored to that we shouldn't. Continue to lead us now together in your name. Amen. Told you the older I get, the more emotional I get. I am so moved by times like that. And I know I can picture what can be true in your homes in the chaos, in the midst of arguing with your teenagers because they want to be on their devices all the time and just trying to manage your little kids and thinking, do we even have enough diapers for tomorrow right now? Because, man, there's a tack on those things right now to all the weirdness of the fact that we're still low on toilet paper. I, don't get me started. I still can't figure that out, but it's still weird. So just the fact that you're looking at me right now thinking, is this a Hope College version of Where's Waldo? <laughs> it's not, but it could be. Let me take you back to the reality that we, in our homes, are to be a house of prayer. Now, I can say that singing is a part of that, and I know from all of us, what does it look like to pray is a daunting question, and I'm inviting you into exploring that. In fact, what we're going to do for the next 21 days is we're going to start 21 days of prayer. And we did this in the winter, but we're focusing specifically on how can you and I, how can every one of us build a more deep prayer life over these 21 days and be asking God to move in the world around us. And so starting tomorrow at seven, we'll do this uh, as a Zoom webinar and then also do it uh, through Facebook Live from seven to 7.30 each day, the six days of the week. And then on Sundays, we come together. I'll guide you through a half hour that will incorporate I see as some essential aspects of what prayer is. So we're kind of learning together and doing it together. If you want to join us for that, um, I'll just show you this on our, on our top page, our, our, our web page. Here it says, click, click here to see the updated responses. If you click that, it'll take you to another page. It'll have lots of resources. It'll kind of be a one-page stop and catch-all for everything we're doing right now. And if you go to the bottom in there, you'll see 21 days, and there'll be a click to get on that Zoom interaction at 7. But I want to encourage you that I want to guide you and help you in this this week. We'll have other staff doing it in the weeks ahead, too. But we're not simply saying you should be able to do this on your own, but how can we help you cultivate a house of prayer? And I'll say it again before anything else, just slow down and begin to let worship build the atmosphere in your home, and it will change. It takes us to the next one, which is a house of study. That the idea in the temple was to be a place that they reflected on the scriptures. And what we know that they didn't is the study of scripture is not just the written word. It's discovering who Jesus is, the living word. In other words, God reveals himself to us. This was the first passage every Jewish child was to learn. 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit down at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. And it goes on to speak of other places and other things you do. I simply want you to get a couple of pictures for this as it relates to your house as a house of study. The first is this idea that the commands are to be upon your hearts. Don't think of commandments as rules. Think of them as the teachings. And we would say now it's the teachings of Jesus. What do his words have for us to be upon our hearts? And the idea was, and this goes to a house of study, that the more we're in the scriptures, the more the word is around our hearts. And at the right time when we're studying, God opens up our hearts and it goes in all we can do is put them upon the heart and God lets them enter. And they enter specifically when he's working and doing things. You know, I, I thought about this this last week. Uh, Jane and I were on a, on a Zoom call with a, a mentor that's just been a great guide for us. And he asked the question, what verses are important to you right now? And it occurred to me that I'm, I'm ready and in the scriptures. And there are times where I look specifically like that's what happened with one of the two I had this week. I, I even shared it at our prayer night. It was Colossians 1, uh, 15 to 18. And it really goes even to why uh, I so deeply wanted to have um, Sadie sing the song that she did because I have just found the centrality of Jesus so important right now for me. That it's something that's upon my heart but going in it in a different way right now. Let me just read these three verses to you. It says, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all of creation, not meaning he was born first, but meaning he's the one who leads and is actually creates. For in him all things were created, things on heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. Now for me, when I read that and begin to reflect on it in my home, it becomes a place of study. And I would say it to you this way, especially to parents. Part of what we do is we share what God is doing. That's how your home becomes a place of study, what you're sensing. Let me give you one other picture for me personally. Uh, I was asked, when I was asked this question, it occurred to me too, I have a daily reading plan that I follow. And oddly enough, I'm in numbers right now. Now, if you were me, you'd probably, and like me, I would say numbers is not the place I'm looking right now to find help and hope. Like this does not sound like the place I would go. And crazily enough, it's been the most significant passage I read all week. In fact, I'm gonna get into it next week. I think it'll offer some helps. But I'll just tell you what the gist of it was, was it was a place where they spoke. It was speaking to the Israelites. And he was saying, listen, God is a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. When he rests and stops, you stay there. And when he gets up and the, the cloud or the fire move, then you move. And it said sometimes it was a day, sometimes it was two, sometimes it was a month, sometimes it was a year. In other words, they settled and they had no idea it was coming from day to day to day. And suddenly it grabbed me like, oh my goodness. That's exactly what it's like right now. This, God's speaking to me right now. Can you trust me in not knowing what tomorrow will bring? Not knowing how long you'll sit in this mode? Not knowing what tomorrow's mode will be? Not knowing how long that will last? Do you know I'm here? Numbers, come on. Most of us don't even get that far when we try to read through. We're like Leviticus, over. 
even get to Exodus and I have to read all this stuff they build in the temple, unless I'm a builder or I like detail, I'm done already. I'm just giving to you this picture that there's something that happens that we discover the living word when we make our house a house of study. And I want to say it to you this way, particularly to adults and kind of thinking of the structure in your home. The word for parent in the Hebrew is horeh. And it, it comes from the same word that we get Torah from. And then it comes from another word, yara, which literally means to, um, basically to teach is the idea. It's to cast or to set forth. But the image is that parents are to be the teachers in their homes. Now, now I want to speak honestly to us in whatever phase of life you're in. Uh, and I'll say this first to parents, to mothers and fathers, specifically in the traditional environment. Um, God has made you first to pursue him. And one of the things that might be happening in this time is you're considering that you've relied on others to teach your kids and you don't have much to pull from. Uh, And I would just encourage you to be honest and actually begin a pursuit. See, this is the way it's supposed to go. We seek God on our own in a marriage, then we seek each other before the kids. By the way, God said it was good and there were no children. And all of God's people should say amen to that, by the way meaning you don't build your lives around your kids, then it pours out into kids. And for those of you who are single, make no mistake, Paul gives great image to the fact that when you're single, there's an incredible sacredness to this. And the way you live in your singleness is just as important. And if you're in empty nest years or you're living in divorce and you're raising a family on your own, God has grace in that. Whatever your context, this needs to first be part of your life before it will ever be part of the lives around you. And we're going to walk through some ideas on that during our, our morning times as well. But I thought I didn't want to miss for us what God wants to say. And it leads us to the final one, which is the house of assembly. The idea that we serve the community. The house of assembly meant you didn't come on your own. You came to meet other needs, to meet the needs around you. And I know that's challenging right now, but I want you to get the idea first behind it. You see, the home was to be the very same place. The home was to be one that met needs. It welcomed in the stranger. It always had a place at the table. It always was looking at what can we do to reach out beyond ourselves. In other words, it wasn't inward focused. It was outward focused. I love what Paul says. He kind of summarizes, I think, the whole idea in 1 Thessalonians with this one simple verse. May the Lord make your love increase. In other words, may his love, who he is, grow in you, and may it overflow for each other, meaning within your homes, within your church may you share, and for everyone else, just as it does, ours does for you. In other words, the people of God are the people that care and reach out to a world in need. Now, I love the fact that we have so many things in place already to care for people in need. But I'll give you a couple of things right now you can do from your own homes that can be powerful ways to care and reach out. One that I've, I've just started doing is start texting your neighbors and ask them how they're doing. I've just texted the people around me and begin to ask, what can I pray for you? What's going on right now? Um, if you are walking your dog, which some of us have to do or be outside, you can keep a steady distance, but still ask questions of people and care for them. And there may be people in your area that are vulnerable. We've been asking who the vulnerable are in our own community around us. The older, our elderly that shouldn't be getting out. What can we do? How can we know who they are? How can we check on them? What can we bring to them? The people that are more vulnerable because of their circumstances. That's what we do as families. And then very specifically, I will tell you, I I just um, even this morning was interacting with, with Josh Bitework, who is the director of Love and Action here in, our, in, uh, in the Tri-Cities, he said they had five times more people at the food 
pantries this week, and basically the need for food from all of you is significant right now. So everyone has to go get groceries. When you get them, you just get extra ones. You drop off here at our food drop-off, or Love and Action has one, or there's several others around town. I would say the same thing in each of our other communities. Get extra food and drop it off. But the picture of the house of assembly is always that our home is to be a place we serve others. We don't hunker down and just self-protect. And oddly, at a time when we're most having to move in, God's inviting us most to reach out in healthy and safe ways. I go, I think that's part of what God's called us. And I, I finish with this picture. Ultimately, the home was to be a home of peace. It's called Shalom Bayet. It's the idea that we started with, which is the atmosphere in our home can be different. And I'll give you a picture of this just from the Gospels that I think is, is profound. Uh, this is when Jesus sends them out into different homes. He said, if the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. It's a picture that as followers of him and people whom his spirit lives, we have the opportunity to carry the peace of Christ everywhere we are. And why would we not want that first and foremost to be in our homes? Why can't it be in our homes? It's really a simple question I want to finish with you is what's the atmosphere in your home right now? Hey, are you sitting watching the news 24-7? Are you preoccupied with the next article and the next rant and the next thing you disagree with and the next thing that's concerning you with things you probably can't change anyway? Maybe you need to dial that back. I'm not saying don't get any news. You know, I went back to just looking once a day because it just overwhelmed me. Maybe the noise needs to be turned off in your home and you just need to begin to create an atmosphere of worship even by what you play and listen to there. What would happen if the table became more than how we eat, but how we connect? What if parents begin to talk honestly with their kids about their faith journey instead of either not saying anything because we don't know anything or admitting that, you know what, I've really let this go. And I think in this time in my life, just like you, I wanna start pursuing this. What if we got honest and actually said, we're gonna give ourselves first to the Lord instead of we're gonna do it works because it's a nice little extra card for us. See, God has so much more for us in this time. My heartache will be if I didn't give you the opportunity to make change right now when I think God wants to. And I just let it be business as usual. Just another Kronos day when we're in a Kairos moment. Before I pray, before the team returns to, to uh, sing with us, kind of close us out with an atmosphere of worship, I wanna challenge and encourage this. I think there's some of you today that have not yet followed Jesus. And uh, I'm not trying to seal the deal to get one in, but I know who my friends are that don't know Jesus, and they might even be watching. I go, man, I got nothing better to give you than this. Because everything we're facing right now is uncertain. But he is not. His sacrifice and his love is not. His presence, not just in our homes, but ultimately his temple resides in us. That's the beauty of this. This is secondary. I gotta get you to the beauty too. But I'm telling you, it isn't just the forgiveness of sins. It's hope, it's life, and it's life after this life. It'll flip everything around. And I simply don't wanna miss offering you the chance to respond. And so I'm gonna pray specifically if you're someone who wants to respond. But I also want you to know, if you're saying, I need to renew, I need to up this deal, I need to quit pretending and actually go, I'm gonna go for it. You go for it with all your doubts, man. You share everything you want to, but start being honest and let God meet you in it. 
So I'm going to pray for all of us. The team's going to come, and, uh, but I want to pray and guide those who want to follow first. Let's pray together. Lord, I ask for anyone with us today that wants to respond to you as Savior, I simply ask that they would just maybe say something as simple as this, that, Lord, I know I can't do this on my own. I admit what we, we say it this way, I admit my sin, meaning I admit myths as I cause and I can't handle it. And Jesus came in vulnerability, in complete sacrifice, in death to die for our sins and rising to bring new life out of it. All you're saying is, God, I wanna receive that. I wanna receive that and I wanna be a follower of you. I wanna grow into a place where I would say I give myself first to the Lord. And if you did that today, I want you to get to one of those connection cards before we're done and just fill it out and put, I responded. And Lord, I pray for those who wanna renew, who wanna say, I'm not gonna play Jesus, I'm gonna live for him. That they would do that today and say, God, I wanna give myself first to you. I have so many other things I'm clinging to that I'm gonna let go of and be yours. And Lord, would you meet them in that? And in the same way, we want you to respond on the card so we can follow up and pray with you. And then finally, for all of us, God, in every home, in every situation, in every environment, in the cars, in the workplaces, in the homes people are, I pray the atmosphere would change. They would encounter you in your presence in a way they never expected. Pour out your kindness and your grace on us now as we worship together. I pray this in your name. Amen.